Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. Of the top 10 fears of a 13-year-old today, number one is terrorist attacks. Number two, spiders. Praise God, it's still my fear too. Number three of a 10-year-old, death. Number four, failure. Number five, war. Number six, heights. Well, there we go. Number seven, gang violence. Number eight, being alone. Number nine, the future. And number 10, nuclear war. The top 10 fears of a 13-year-old. Today, a teenager in our nation has the same anxiety levels of a psych patient in the 1950s. People that were put into psych wards for anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts are found in our teenagers today. If that is in our teenagers, I wonder what levels are in us. So I came today to serve notice on fear. I came today to serve notice on anxiety. I came today with an all out assault on the nameless, faceless bark that comes and barks loud, but has no bite. I came today to take this unjustified, unruly terror that paralyzes the armies of the living God and huddles them into corners of retreat. I came to serve notice on it today. I came with 66 books armed and ready to take down fear for the final countdown. I'm going to hold it down till the 10 count is done over your life. I came to instill courage into this army. I came today with a voice not to stir more fear and anxiety and depression and shame in you, but I pray today that I would put gas into your tank that today you would join me and take out fear in your life. I came to hover a fearless magnet over your heart today and to rip out every shard, every wound, every degree, every shrapnel that the enemy has left there from every past hurt, every present hurt, and every future hurt. I came today armed and ready. I hope you're ready today. Today's call is a call to courage. Amongst the layoffs, amongst the slowdowns, amongst the flare-ups, amongst the turnovers, the downturns, and the breakouts, I came armed with one weapon today. That is the weapon of courage. No matter what dictators collecting nuclear warheads like baseball cards, we are going to have courage. No matter what new disease is boarding a plane in some place and we're nervous about a new breakout we are going to have courage in these last days as the sound of the clock ticks closer to the grave we're going to have courage in these last days fear for me and you seems to have taken out a hundred year lease in the house next door and it has set up shop and it's unruly and it's unwilling to share your heart with anything else. You see, you never heard of being happy and afraid, confident and afraid, merciful and afraid. No, 
because fear doesn't share. Fear is the big bully in the high school hallway. It's brash, it's loud, it's unproductive. But for all the noise that fear has made in my life, it has never done good for me. Yeah, fear never wrote a symphony, never penned a poem. No, fear, it wasn't fear that negotiated peace treaties or gave to the poor. It was not fear that cured a disease. No, it was not fear for no matter how loud it is and how productive it says it will be. It is not fear that ever pulled a family out of poverty. It's not fear that saved a marriage or rescued a business. Courage did that. Faith did that. People who refused to cower did that. It seems like fear has tried to hurt us into a prison and slams the door. Wouldn't it be great today to walk out of that unlocked cage? Wouldn't it be great today if faith became your default action, not fear? Wouldn't it be great today to hover this magnet over our heart and say, I will not fear? See, one time I asked someone, what would be the devil's greatest fear? And they told me it would be a church without fear. And that's why we're here today, fearless church, to be the devil's greatest fear. For every time he's heard me into a corner, for every time he's made me wake up in the middle of the night, for every time he's stolen my sleep, I am going to be a fearless church. I am going to make fearless my mission. If he made it his mission to make me afraid, I'm going to make it my mission to live in perfect love that casts out all fear. Come on, I don't know if I'm here alone, if I got the fearless church with me, but if you're with me, let the devil hear you for every yell. Come on, for every noise he made in the middle of the night, for every Google thing you looked up that made you afraid, for every rejection, for every wound, for every hurt. Come on, you praise God right where you're at for 30 seconds. Give God a fearless praise. We will not be afraid. We will not be afraid. For everything fear has to say, God has one thing to say. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, fear not. God looks at fear like a valley girl, fear not. You are not going to rob from my kids. You are not going to give them sleepless nights. You are not going to steal from Chris Davis anymore. You are not going to steal from Heather anymore. You are not coming. Oh, yeah, you thought you had them. Not. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, fear. Not. Come on, you got to look at fear when you wake up in the morning, you put your boots on, you put your new pants on, and you say, fear not. You're not going to do what you did yesterday to me. You're not going to do what you did in my past. You are not, not today. No, not today. Not today, devil. Fear not. For everything fear has to talk about, God shows up with one word. Fear not. Fear not, for I am with you. Come on. You got to know who's with you. Come on. It's not about what's coming against you. It's more about who's with you. Uh, I, I, love, I love this song we sang earlier. Uh, I might be surrounded, right? How does that go? I might, I might be surrounded. You might think you got me surrounded, but I'm surrounded by God. 
right? I love those words. I love those words because it reminds me of the story when Elijah was standing and an army was at their gate with, with, with enemies all around him, second Kings and, 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 and the enemy is surrounding him. And the servant looks at Elijah and says, man, we're really in for it. Like we're going to die. And Elijah says, oh, you don't see. And Elijah prays for his servant that he would be given eyes to see. He prays for him. He opens his eyes and he sees, the Bible says he sees all over the hill that the whole time they thought they were surrounded, it was that God had surrounded their enemies. And he said there were chariots of fire surrounding Elijah. I love that Elijah didn't need to get into the battle before he prayed for his eyes to see. What if we start praying in the morning? God, as I face every battle, as every troop comes against me, give me eyes to see that I'm not surrounded, that you are surrounding me. Everywhere I go, the fire is not coming against me. The fire has been surrounding me and protecting me and guiding me. When I wake up in the morning, when I go to work, when I'm rejected, I feel like I'm surrounded. Nope, I'm not surrounded by my enemy alone. I'm surrounded by my God. Fear not, for I am with you, declares the Lord. God is with you. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's time to live fearless. God is with you. Judges uh, chapter 6, uh, verse number 1. Let's go there again. And as, as the yellow comes up, we're going to skip the word right before it, and we're going to read the yellow together. Now, you got to read loud because you are on the podcast. So I don't want to just hear Chris Davis. I want to hear y'all. Okay, we got mics. These are your mics right here. Here's a mic for you. Come on, online. Hopefully, you're going to hear these guys in this house. Come on, let, let's check out these mics real quick. Ready? One, two, three. Go. If you're online, give us a thumbs up. There you go. That, they need to know you're here. I'm not here alone in this building, right? Okay, here we go. So when we read this, when the yellow comes up, you just yell it out, okay? All right, even if I forget, scare me, do it. Judges chapter six, verse number one. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. For seven years, he gave them into the hands of Because the power of There you go. Was so oppressive that the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, in caves, and in strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, dreams, hope, and visions, the, and the, and the, there you go, invaded the country. They camped on the land and they ruined the crops all the way to Gaza. You ever had your crops ruined by insecurity, doubt? unbelief, fear. Verse five, they came up with their livestock. They came up with their tents, their swarms like locusts. It was impossible to count the men, their camels. Whenever locusts would show up, they would think it was like a storm on the horizon, like rain, like clouds. This is, this is like how fear shows up. That gloomy cloud, that, that overwhelming thickness of doubt. You can't shake it. You can't get out of it. And it came up and the fear, the doubt, the unbelief does not come up to hang out with you, to be your friend. It came up to ravage land, to ravage your dreams, to destroy your hopes. 
If it's letting, if look, you're like, oh, my hope's doing good. My dreams are doing good and my fear. Just wait a few weeks because that fear is not okay with staying on its part of the land. It is going to invade every part. And so you got to get there. If there's anything you need to get violent against, you need to get violent. And what's the enemy's trying to camp on your land. You need to kick it out. You need to put up no trespassing signs and say, I was purchased. I was bought for a price. This is not leased land. You cannot rent this. You cannot rent to own. I was purchased with the price and the price was the son of the living God. Amen. I got a witness. Amen. So they came up fear. So impoverished the Israelites. And so the Israelites cried out for help. Judges chapter 11, 6, 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abyssalite, <laughs> where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. Underline that, highlight it, notice that. To keep it from, to keep it from, why was he doing this? To keep it from fear. So it's, it's setting us up. When you read the Bible, you got to, you got to read into it, okay? So it's saying he's threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from fear. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, you wicked servant. The Lord is with you, you big time failure. Well, that's how you always hear it, right? God's great but I'm just like really lame. <laughs> God is so awesome, but I, I am so not. No, God doesn't talk to you like that. If you hear those words, it's not God. And if it's not God, you want to get some new Beats headphones on. And you want to say, you know what? I, I, got, I, got, I got studio censored these have all the bass all the dynamic range look these these headphones i got devil I, I thought you said something but i can't i just see your mouth moving but i don't know what's coming out of your lips i, I see you saying something but i don't know what you're saying because i'm still listening to john 3 16 i'm still living to greater I, I got all these things running through my head i got too much this stuff is too good to take it off let me just dance just a little bit let me just look Look, you, you got you to gotta get some new headphones on because when you start hearing that, that means you, ha look, you cannot hear the voice of the enemy unless you take off the headphones of God. If you're hearing the enemy's voice, it's because he got you to take the fed headphones off. Look, can I say this? The enemy doesn't rule from a throne. When Jesus died on the cross, he defeated the enemy. The battle is already won, meaning the enemy was removed from the throne he took over. He took over Adam's throne. Adam gave up his throne of ruling over this earth. And the enemy took over that throne and he started ruling. But when Jesus came, he kicked him off that throne. He put him in the dust. Did the throne sit vacant? No. Did Jesus take it? No. He's got a throne in heaven. He doesn't need a throne on earth. He gave it to you. He called you to rule where Adam and Eve ruled. He called you to return to the garden. And when you sit on that throne, the devil is, he is, he is wanting his position back. He's wanting the position back that God gave you. You are children of God. So the devil doesn't rule from a throne. He rules through a throne. 
He speaks into your ear and gets it in your head and you speak it out your mouth. If you start hearing those words come in your head, you kill them inside. Come on, killing in the name of Jesus. You gotta, you gotta kill those seeds inside. You gotta uproot those things that are coming in. Come on, when those voices come in and you know that God's spoken of you, mighty warrior, but you hear mighty failure, you gotta kill those seeds because if those seeds are birthed, they lead to death. They lead to death. You gotta not let them, you, the things may be in your head, but don't let it out your mouth. Kill it inside you. Drown it with worship. Drown it with the word. Drown it with praise. The Lord shows up to Gideon and he says, mighty warrior. And I came here today not to beat you up, not to put you down, not to tell you 10 things you're not doing. I came here to speak life over you today. I came here as a messenger of God to look inside your wine press and say, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. You're not just mighty. You're a warrior. Judges chapter 6, verse 13. But sir, he didn't know who he was talking to, obviously. Sometimes people speak over your life and you think they were just a nice person. You don't realize that God was speaking through that. But sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where? are all the wonders that our father told us about when he said, did not the Lord bring you up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us to the hand of fear. fear. You're getting it. Isn't it funny how the seed of the victim will make you even take the victories that God has done? And find a way to put them down. Isn't it funny how when you're in the seat of the victim, help could be right in front of you? This angel was not just an angel. This was Jesus talking to Gideon. Yet Jesus, he's talking to God as if God's not in the room. He has his answer right in front of him. But all he can see is the problem. It's funny how when the word comes in, and you've allowed wounds to fester, the wounds will even manipulate the word. And then Judges chapter 15, oh, right here, 14. The Lord turned to him and said, <laughs> doesn't even answer his complaint. He doesn't entertain the victim mentality. Look, if you have people in your life that entertain you being a victim, they're not speaking from the throne room of God. Get around people that won't let you stay in that seat. Get around people that say, you're not a victim, you're a victor. Someone goes, man, everyone's rejecting me. Everyone, no, 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 you're not a victim. You have been accepted in love by Christ Jesus. Get up on out of that seat. Get up on out of that seat of apathy. Get up on out of that seat of, look, get around people of your life that speak from the presence of God, not from the presence of man. You know why people still speak from the presence of man? Because they got wounds themselves. They feel better about being in the seat of the victim with you if you remain in the seat of the victim with them. We call this licking each other's wounds. If you're hurting, I just want to let you know I, I'm okay with that. And I, let's talk bad about everybody because, no, no, you are not a victim in Christ Jesus. You are a victor. 
because it doesn't matter what's against you. What matters is who's with you. Jesus didn't die so you could be rejected by man. Let that affect you. The acceptance of heaven is all I need. Jesus does not respond to his victim mentality. Get around people that won't let you stay where you're at. They love you enough to pull you to higher ground. They're not being mean. They're being meaningful. Correction is not rejection. Correction is guidance. Correction to the wise is not rejection. If it's rejection, I'm searing through wounds, not through his word. Be careful when someone in front of you starts reminding you of someone behind you. Whenever someone in front of you that loves you starts reminding you of someone behind you, it means you haven't forgiven the person behind you and you're still living with them rent-free in your head. The person in front of you is trying to propel you to your destiny. Here's God. He doesn't answer Gideon's pain. He doesn't answer his wounds. He just turned to him and said, go (laughs) in the strength you have. You have and save Israel out of fear's hand. Then he says, am I not sending you? I love that line. That's like a slap with a white glove. (laughs) Go in the strength you have. You know Gideon. He doesn't have any strength. He is threshing wheat in a wine press. He is hiding. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, I gotta paint this so, so you can see how much strength Gideon didn't have and the little amount of strength that he did have. I'm so thankful that it just takes a mustard seed of faith to move my mountains. I'm, I'm so thankful that all I need is a, a little bit of what I got because uh, I love that God can work with a little bit. I, I, lo- I love that God doesn't need a lot to do big things. I love that God just needs a little bit of strength. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, go in the strength you have. Number one, this negates me from complaining about things that I want others to change. When I see an issue, I get to be the answer to my own prayers. Gone are the days that the church gets to pray for God touching Skid Row and not willing to go to Skid Row. Gone are the days that we we keep praying for people that get healthy and get well, yet we're not willing to go visit them in the hospital to be the antidote to their pain. Gone are the days when we pray for things for others to do, but yet won't do them ourselves. There's this movement in, in Huntington Beach. And, 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 and at the end of the thing, I keep seeing them with pictures. They take off their shoes and they lift up their shoes. And I, and I was wondering what that was about. And they said, we're going to be the answer to our own prayers. We're going to take off our shoes like Moses and say, everywhere this foot treads, we're going to see the gospel lifted up. We're going to stop praying for somebody else to come. And we're going to go in the strength we have. Look, look, generosity can start with a person sharing half their sandwich with someone else. You don't have to have all the money to do something. Come on, you're waiting for one day and someday. Let's go in the strength we have. Go in the 
strength you have. Go in the strength you have. Go in the little that you have. And then I love this. And then Gideon complains again. But Lord, how can I save Israel? He's back to the victim. My clan is the weakest. I'm so little. I'm the least. Whenever you're in the seat of the victim, you get very good at acting. We have more actors in the church than we do in Hollywood. Right? I'm so, I mean, it's just like dire. It's like, dude, you're not dying. Get up. Right? Here he comes again. He's standing in front of God. I mean, how absurd does this sound to God who looked, who stepped out in chaos and created order? Who stepped out in darkness and made light? Here we are with our little problem. I can't do it. I don't know how I'm going to accomplish it. God's like, are you kidding? Then he says this. Verse 16, the Lord answered. I will be with you. Oh, I'm not asking you to go alone. Oh, they, yeah, you're right. So, so what, what you need to realize is you are right. You are the weakest. You are the least. But what you forgot is you're not going alone. I will be with you. Let me say that again. I will be with you. And then he says, you, I love this. I highlight this. You will strike down all the. And then he says this little word at the end. Look, together. Oh yeah, I just seen that. Like, you're going to do it. We're going to do it together. Meaning, I'm, you're going to get the credit, but at the end, you let them know that we did it together. Come on, they're going to see you, not me, because they can't see me. But when you accomplish it, when you stand up there with that award, when your app goes viral, when your family is healthy, when you have the job you've always dreamed of, they're going to see you. They're going to magnify you. They're going to glorify you. Don't forget that even though you did it look like alone, we did this together, baby. See, the victory is not that I preach all over the world and have an amazing church. The victory is that I didn't do this alone. Alone, I was shaking. Alone, I was trembling. Alone, I don't, I'm not smart enough. Alone, I don't know how to get there. Alone, I still remember the times when, when I would go to, go to places to preach and I didn't know how to preach. And they would invite me before I knew. It has a, God has a funny way of speaking to you before you're ready. God has a funny way of coming to you while you're hiding and trembling and says, Hey, Gideon, I'm going to use you to take down the very thing you're hiding from. That's unique. Could you pick someone else that wasn't at least hiding? Someone that was at least strong? I'll never forget how many messages I showed up. And before I showed up, I went and hid in the back bathroom and sat on the toilet, not to use the restroom, but to read my word. And I remember shaking and crying and saying, God, please just let the rapture come. Please, please just let a fire break out in this building. Please, God, let someone else want to preach. And I, and I would sit there and I would cry and I would ask God, I would beg God. Sometimes people would come in. I was like, they're like, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. And, and I would just read this word until this word became my life, until this word became my flesh. I would read over and over Jeremiah 1.10 where God said he's called me, he's chosen me before my mother's womb. And that word would put courage in me. I hope you came to church today to get courage inside the wine press because this is not your home. God has called you out.
to take on the very thing you're afraid of. And here's Gideon. How much strength did he have? Well, it's found in the Bible because it says that Gideon was threshing wheat. Thresh wheat. In a wine press. He was in a wine press. He was threshing wheat. So I looked this up. I don't know what threshing wheat is. I've never seen it. I, I do know that the Bible tells me that Jesus looked at Peter and said, the enemy wants to sift you as wheat. I, w- I wanted to know what this meant because, you know, if I was Peter in that moment, I would say, so you, so you told him no, because that doesn't sound good. <laughs> but God allows Peter to be sifted. And then he says this, when he's done. So in other words, God will allow the enemy to be his tool. God will allow lack to be his tool. God will allow rejection to be his tool. Every every great hero in this book was rejected before they were accepted. Because they had to realize that it wasn't man who got him there. It was the acceptance of God. Let Let me tell you this. God's man or woman is always hidden. God's man or woman has always been rejected. In the church, we pick the wrong person. We like to pick those that are talented, those that got it all together, those that have no fear, those that have no worries. But, but in the kingdom, God always picks the hidden. God, God in fact, every hero, I, I can't find one that was seen. God, God's man or woman was always in hiding before they were able to be seen. So if you're in hiding today, you might be God's right person to see LA change. If you're in hiding today, you might just be God's right person to see your family saved. God didn't find Moses in a palace. He found him in a desert running from a murder he just committed. God found David in a cave, not a castle. God found Samson not with strength, but his head shaved, his eyes gouged out in a prison. God found Lazarus dead. He found Peter fishing. He saw Matthew tax collecting. God found Paul shutting down the church, but he was going to be the one to resurrect the church. Come on, I, I don't know about you, but they found my Savior hiding in a manger. God's man or woman might be in a wine press. What does that mean? Well, when you thresh wheat, you didn't do it in a wine press. If he was threshing wheat in a wine press, he wasn't doing it right. Uh, I got some pictures here of how they would thresh wheat uh, and they would sift wheat. This is a picture. And so they would go out into the biggest part of the country they could find, open fields, which they had many of them. This was the promised land. This is what everyone worked to get to. This is what wheat looks like. And so what they would do is they would cut the wheat they would put it in a pile and they would, they would throw it up because the top part is called the meat and the bottom is called the chaff. And so, so the chaff would be separated from the wheat, but how it would happen is they would throw it into the air and when it hit the air in the open field, the wind would blow through. I think we even have a video of this. The wind would blow through and separate what was lightweight in it from what was heavy. This is the picture. This is what they do. And whatever was heavy would fall to the ground. And whatever was light was being blown away. Now let's look at the picture of Peter. God said, Satan's asked if he could sift you as wheat. He's saying there's no heaviness in you. You're just a fearful Peter. And God said, I know there is. 
There's weight in you. There's stuff I deposit in you. So after he's done, you turn with that meat that is left and you feed your brothers. You strengthen your brothers. I came to let some Peters know in this room, some Pauls know, some Deborahs know, some Ruths know, some Daniels know that even though you've been thrown to the air and you've been feeling like life's been ripping you apart, God was developing tenacity and fire in you. And what is in you, the devil can't take away from you. Life's trials, life's circumstances. But Gideon, who should have been threshing wheat in the open, because it's the only way you can do it, was hiding. And I have a wine press we've brought to you today, if my, my friends can bring that out. He was hiding in a wine press. We got a picture of what a wine press looked like. And that top circle is where they would put the grapes. And someone would get in the top circle and they would stomp on the grapes until the grapes turned into juice and it would run into the giant vat and they would leave it in the wine press for as long as it took to ferment. Gideon should have been threshing wheat in his promise. He lived in freedom. He had, God had won the victory. They defeated the walls of Jericho. They, all their enemies had been silenced. God led them by fire by day, by night, and a cloud by day. God was their front and their rear guard. Their shoes didn't wear out in the wilderness. Their clothes didn't wear out in the wilderness. And finally, Moses couldn't get in. The people that denied him couldn't get in. But Joshua generation came through. The water was split. The walls came down. And they're living now, generations later, in their promised land. They're living. They used to be slaves, and now they're free. But the slavery never left up here. Did you know you could be in your promise while living like you're in your past? Gideon was in his promise, yet he was threshing wheat in a wine press, trying to do life, trying to, trying to live life, trying to do it. Trying to do it the best he could. Try, trying to do what he was supposed to do out in the open. Trying to, trying to live life like you have freedom when you don't have it. He, he was trying to worship in a wine press. He was trying to shout in a wine press. He was trying to pray in a wine press. Trying to, trying to be called in a wine press. I don't know if you can relate today. I don't know if you've been living life, but fear keeps yelling at you. Doubt keeps yelling at you. I don't know if you're living life and, and, and fear keeps telling you you won't make it. I don't, I don't know if you're living life and anxiety keeps waking you up in the middle of the night. I'm free, but not really. I I'm, 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 I'm have the victory, but only kind of, just partially. I'm only going to get so much done. And there's no wind in here. There's no wind. We know wind is significant of the Holy Spirit. There's no wind in here. Wind is the thing that changes you, transform you. There's no wind. There's no freedom. I don't know if you're tired of doing life in the wine press. I don't know if you're tired of living a half-life. I don't know if you're tired of being a dead while you're alive. I, I came that God will wake up the dead today. I came to speak to Gideon in the wine press. This is not your home. They didn't get sawn in two. Fed to lions. He didn't die on a cross. Crown of thorns on his head. He didn't get whipped till he was unrecognizable. So we can live in fear. They broke through to a place of freedom so that we could live 
free. We were called to live like this in LA. We were called to walk out our dreams. Come on, I know there's some Gideons in this room. And God says, I know you don't have much courage. I know you just got a little bit of strength. I know you're trying to do life and you feel like you're the last and the least. And God says, Gideon! He calls him mighty warrior. Only God could do that. Only God could look at somebody in hiding and speak life. Only God could look at someone running from the things that are around them and say, you're a champion. You ought to have a word over your life that's an oxymoron with what you are. That's the word of God over your life. You ought to have some words over your life that don't even fit where you're at. You know, you know how the, you can know how bad you are? It's because the attack of the enemy on your life doesn't line up with who you are right now. Because the enemy is not afraid of Gideon hiding in the wine press. He's attacking him extra because he's afraid of Gideon the mighty warrior. But God is breaking through all the fear. God is breaking through all the doubt and all the worry. Look, I came to tell you if the attack has been great on your life, it is proof of the call on your life. It's proof of who you're called to be. Go in the strength you have. What is the strength you have? God says it's enough. When God comes in and his word comes in, What's the strength I have? Well, David would have said, the strength I have is a, is a stone. Well, okay, good. You go in that strength you have, David, stones kill giants. Moses would have said, the strength I have is just a staff. It's a shepherd's staff. I've given up on being a revolutionary. I'm out here. I killed someone in my own country. I'm escaping. God said, go with the strength you have. The thing that used to lead sheep will now lead the people of God. For Rahab the prostitute, it was her prostitutes. Sash. God said, go in the strength you have. For Daniel was a few prayers he had said on his knees. What could God do with the strength you have? He said, God, I'm going. <laughs> this is crazy. All I got is this. I was like, don't worry. I'll be with you. And together... Together. See, see, many of you don't even know that God has even had purpose in the wine press. Because although Gideon thought he was hiding, the wine press is a place where you take grapes and you turn them into juice. It's also a place where they would crush the olives to create the anointing oil. While you thought Fear was crushing. Doubt was crushing. God says, no, I, I allowed you to be in that wine press for the time you were there. Because I've been, you thought you were hiding, but I was crushing you. I was breaking you down. And as I was breaking you down, I was building you up. We know that what God breaks down cannot be rebuilt. But what God rebuilds cannot be destroyed. And God has been rebuilding you in that wine press. See, fear is a part of my story, but it didn't end with fear and doubt. He turned my fear and my doubt into faith. 
He, he turned my anxiety into, into, he gave me something new. He, he didn't break down the wine press. He broke me down in the wine press. And it was the wine presses of life that God has been developing the power in your life. You ought to praise him in that wine press. You ought to thank him in that wine press. You ought to thank him for moments where you felt like you were doing life half. How good is it going to feel when you come out here and your enemies show up and you go, oh, you thought you surrounded me. I'm sorry to let you know. In fact, you're surrounded because the God that was with me in the wine press is the God that's with me out here. Come on, I, I don't know if I came to the right crew today. I came that God would open your eyes and he would show you that every place you've had doubt, he's going to give you faith. Come on, believe again. Stand again. Every person that ever changed the world had to conquer failure. You got to be okay with failing. Stand to your feet all over this room. Say, but I failed a lot. Albert Einstein did not speak till age four. Until age seven, he could not read. My daughter at five can read. He was considered mentally slow unsociable, adrift, and they called Albert Einstein a foolish dreamer. Well, they were right. He was a dreamer, but they were the foolish ones. Because in 1921, Einstein won the Nobel Prize in physics. Michael Jordan was told as a boy, who are you kidding? You can't slam a ball. Yeah, not from where everybody else can, but I can jump from half court. He was cut from his high school basketball team. Today is one of the greatest basketball players to ever live. And he said this, I've failed over and over and over again in my life. That's why I've succeeded. Dr. Seuss, you know who he is. First 27 books he wrote to adults got rejected by every publisher he submitted them to. So one day he just decided to write a children's book. And we know where that ended up. Walt Disney was rejected from the very city that we now call his home. Anaheim rejected him because he was bankrupt seven times before he became the famous Walt Disney. Winston Churchill failed the sixth grade. He lost every election for public office that he ran for until he became the prime minister at age 62. He wrote this, never, ever give in. Never, 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 no, not in nothing. Great or small, large or petty, Never give in except to the convictions of honor inside your heart. Never give up. Thomas Edison, his teacher said he was stupid <laughs> to learn anything. He got fired from his first two jobs for being non-productive. As an inventor, Thomas Edison made a thousand failed attempts. And the reporter asked him, 
how did it feel to fail a thousand times? Edison replied, I didn't fail a thousand times. The light bulb was just created in a thousand steps. I came to talk to some dreamers today. I came to talk to some revolutionaries today. I came to wake you up out of your dead, cold bones and take off those grave clothes. Beethoven, they said he handled his violin awkwardly. <laughs> that teacher's eating his words. I picture that teacher going, maybe there was something to the awkward handling. His teacher said he was a helpless composer. At five years old, Beethoven came a masterful violin player. By 13, he became just as good at the piano. By 20 years old, he had already written several symphonies. But at 20 years old, Beethoven began to go deaf. By the time he was age 50, he could not hear at all. He was stone deaf. But he was determined to get his music out, even though he was deaf. They said he sawed the legs of his piano off, laid it on the floor, put his ears to the mat, and he would play until he would hear the vibrations. Completely deaf, he wrote five of the world's greatest symphonies. People would come in and hear him pounding on his piano and screaming, I will take life by the throat. I will not be defeated. I will win. And I came to talk to some Beethovens in this room. I came to talk to some Gideons in this room. Your greatest is ahead of you. The greatest life, whatever's against you, is not bigger than what God is about to do through you. I will win. But you know what? As believers, we're not saying I will win. We're saying he has won. He has won the victory. That's why he can look at fear and say not. That's why he can look at anxiety and say you have to get out of here. That's why he can look at fear and say you have to leave. That's, that's why he can say no, the only thing that's left, come on, that's why he can say doubt, you must leave. And all we have left is our faith. Come on, let faith be your shield. Let faith be your guide. Gideon came out of hiding from the wine press, but he learned to hide. I'm not out of hiding. I'm still hiding. I'm just hiding behind faith. I'm just hiding behind his victory. I'm just hiding behind his blood. Peter left and hid. Peter never stopped hiding. He just learned to hide in the Holy Spirit. He came out on the day of Pentecost and he preached the gospel while fear was barking at him. And he said, fear, you got to get out of here. You got to leave because I'm hiding in him. If you're in this room today in fear, doubt, unbelief, Worry or anxiety has camped on your soil. I want you to lift your hands. Come on, we're going to get violent against this thing called fear, anxiety, depression. Come on, I know I have some dreamers here that you've had a word spoken over you from people who did not hear from God. And I came to serve notice on those voices. I came to speak a new word into your life. I came to speak mighty warrior, mighty warrior. Come out of hiding. 
come out of the wine press. You were made for more. You were built for more. There's destiny in your heart. There's dreams that he asked for you. Jesus, we pray right now. As we sing this song, God, you would give us freedom in a new way. We'd come out of the wine press and we'd start sifting wheat out in the open again, God. We'd start living life in the promised land. Come on, let's sing it. Yeah. Thank you for listening. If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.